a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding Reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, we have Stephanie Patel. She has a fascinating story. She's been doing some incredible things. She's, all the ways to find her, of course, will be found in the show notes, so y'all can just go check her out for yourself. But for this conversation, I will encourage you guys to go ahead and suspend your disbelief, sit there with an open mind, and listen to this lady's story. It is incredible. Uh, so without further ado... Stephanie Patel. Very grateful to have on the show today, Stephanie Patel. You are very interesting, very fascinating. You are actually a reference that I got from somebody uh, who told me I've got to have you on the show. You're right on brand, you're fascinating, and you and I are about to have a lovely conversation, which I am very, very excited about. So for for my audience that's not very familiar with you, if you don't mind, ma'am, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um... I guess the the reason I'm on the show is because for the last five and a half years, I've been on kind of an extraordinary adventure. You could say a little fantastical adventure, but truly beautiful, truly to the very essence of who we are and what we do. And uh, and through this adventure, through this adventure, the I guess maybe it was always meant to be that way. There's a message for the world to change the world. And it's about putting the bite back in the apple. And uh, I don't know if you want to know more right now. Yeah, that, that would be great. Just, um, yeah, just go for it here. This is, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. Okay. So um, I never expected to end up in this place. Let me just say that, first of all. Um, so I have a very powerful connection to what I call the other side, the OS, which also stands for operating system, which is really what it is. And it began about five and a half years ago. Of course, it began at the very beginning of my life or even before. You know, if you're not on top and you're not familiar with the ideas of incarnation and stuff, then you're going to be behind this story because we're starting out with a understanding that reincarnation is real, that life is eternal. Well, about five and a half years ago, I had given up. I had a very painful life and I had retired. I was an attorney in my lifetime, it's my career. I had started a school, dedicated myself, designed and started a school. And I had retired and I had had some deep spiritual experiences in my life. A couple NDEs. But when I was 28 years old, 
I had such an incredible experience that it, you know, it turned my world upside down. And it never ceased to be the lodestar, I guess you could say, of my life. I could always go back there and remember. And it was kind of like an NDE in that the sense of overpowering love was just amazing. You can't ever experience that and ever be the same again. But it was much, much more than that. And it had a physical component. And it just changed my life. And through my life, I did have a lot of things happen that were like, I guess you could call them phenomena. Things that would happen that were sort of out of the normal, you know, everyday routine. And that was interesting, but it would throw me off balance because I was be like, well, how come everybody else isn't doing this? Why isn't this going on with everybody else? I must be strange. And then I would not want to do it because I didn't want to be strange. And, but after a while I read something and it said, it's not about the phenomena. You know, it's not about the materializations. It's not about the knowing what's happening or, you know, being able to tell the future or whatever. It's really about finding your own connection inside, coming home. You know, about, I don't even know how to explain it, but just about the internal search. It's about who you are, not what you do in the world. And so that became my focus was upon that journey. And I was still working at that time. I was only 28 when I had this experience right at the end of, of law school. So suddenly I was in the world working with children. I was divorced most of that time. And it was very, very difficult. Uh, but we managed. But all during this time, what I really wanted was to bring my worlds together. It was like as if, in one sense, I lived in this world of the attorney world, you know, where it's constantly battling one side against the other. You're always trying to win, and I was always trying to get them together to solve it. I was a trial attorney most of that time. And, uh, and then on the other hand, there was this world that I could just sink into. And when I came back to it, every time I came back to it, it would be exactly where I left it. It was as if this was the real journey and it would stand still while you went up the path and got caught up in your daily life. And then when you come back, it'd be right where you left it and you just continue. Well, when I retired, I thought, oh, good. Now I can devote myself to the spiritual realm and my search. I don't have to worry about this work anymore. Well, my life got very, very uh, difficult because of problems my children were having and trying, you just get caught up in your children's issues, right? And you want to help them and, and it's emotional and it's just, you know, they were just going through midlife stuff, you know, whatever their stuff was, grandkids. My grandkids lived with me for a while and suddenly all my savings were going out the door <laughs> because I was trying to help everybody. And so it wasn't looking so good. Um, for my retirement, but also I just emotionally was worn out after a very difficult life, many deaths. I've lost two children. I lost my father and my brother when I was nine. I uh, was raped and 
ultimately tried to kill myself after the, the second bout of being raped and not date rapes. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, you can be beaten and raped or you can be raped, take your choice kind of rapes. And I, uh, and I did try and take my life when I was 20 because life was so difficult for me. Um, and somehow I survived it, but I knew I had died. I, but it was 1970 and I never heard of a near-death experience. All I knew, my, my name was Dorothy. All I knew was that I, when I came back, that somehow I had died and come back and I had to get it right. So I never tried to kill myself again because there was a sense you'll just have to do it again. Mm, so you might bother? as well get it right this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. And so I came back and I changed my name to Stephanie. I can't tell you why other than I loved that name when I came back and I needed to change it. And so I did. And I've been Stephanie ever since I was 20 years old and I changed it legally. So it's, it's my name. And I went on with life. Anyway, I retired. I had been a student of A Course of Miracles. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, but I love that. I love that saying, student of the force of miracles. Yeah, I thought it was cool, too. When I first heard of it, like, wow, there's A Course in Miracles? Why, why didn't I hear about that book? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I went and got the book. And uh, at first I got I thought, oh, this looks so much like a Bible. I don't think I want this. But then I opened the first page, and I'm trying to remember what it says on the first page. Nothing real exists, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it says, but I was like, wow. That's a grapper. That's an opening line. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That is, uh, excuse me, my nose is running just a pinch. You're fine. Um, and that was, that got my attention. So then I got it. It's this book with all these lessons, and you read it, and you take these lessons, and you know, I, I did that for 20 years before I retired. And then one day, you know, off and on, you pick it up. It's one of those books. Or, you know, the first year I read it every day. And miracles happen. Anyway, uh, I the big miracle was yet to come. So I was retired. I was depressed. Nothing was working out. I'd gone through this long, tiring life. And this is how it was ending in all this emotional stress and pain. And I said, I don't want to live anymore. I'd said that many times, but I don't want to live anymore. But, you know, I'm not going to hurt myself. So what are my options? I know that life is eternal already. I already had seen in that experience when I was 28 that the best way I can describe it is that the physical world and the spiritual world were like two systems. Each uh self-contained but they interacted and so it was like what i saw was like a piece of the great spirit would break off and animate the human form and then go back and then come back and you know there was this kind of you know and the earth is just a big recycling plant you know and so is the spiritual realm and so i knew life was eternal and i'd already had I wasn't really sure about reincarnation. I was open to it. I just hadn't experienced it. I had had a few memories of that appeared to be from past lives. So 
you know, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I just, I'm an experiential learner. So I have to, the way that I describe it is I, if somebody tells me something, I'll say, how do you know that? Tell me how you know that. I want to go find it out for myself. So I always think of it as going to where, to the spring, where the water is the purest. After it goes downhill and it passes through the mouths of different people is like the books you get where people are talking about their experiences and they're talking about somebody else's experience. And then, you know, how many books do we have dissecting what Jesus said? Oh yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that water isn't very clear rather than that. Even you don't even want it. It's not even just about what Jesus says. It's about the water that Jesus drank. And so I wanted to go back and say, Hey, I want to know what you drank. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Experientially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that was always my my quest. Anyway, I said to myself, I'm done with the Course in Miracles. The Course in Miracles is about giving up everything. It's about realizing everything is an illusion and letting go. And I'd already been to the void a few times. I'll talk to that you about that later. But I said, okay, if it's giving up everything, then I have to give up the book. I have to go it on my own now. And I said, um, the only thing I want right now is because I know I can't die. You know, uh, I mean, you can die to your pers- to your present life. But I know that the soul is, is eternal. But I want to give up my ego and reunite with God. And that was my request. And for a long time, I didn't know if I'd ask for too much, but that was my request. So, uh, so I'd come to the point at which, you know, if you give up your ego, it's basically saying you, at least for me, it was giving up my separation and being willing just to be folded back into the God energy. That's how bad it was. <laughs> And some very strange things happened. The door opened when I shut the door, shut the cover. And Steve was explaining it to me just the other day. He said, how do you say it? You had to give up everything you had to find everything you had. Um, and so I'll tell you, so some things happened. Uh, I don't know how deep you want me to go into this, but <clears throat> go as deep as you'd like. We're we're here for you, and you have a fascinating story. So just as far as you'd like to take it. Okay. Well, I'll just mention these pictures. So this all came down, and there were things that happened before. Many signs. Apples were falling all around. Um, in fact, you know, when I got my new house after I retired. I just filled it with apple things, and I didn't even know why. I never liked apples particularly. And uh, so I, the month, about in September, I would say, and during this period of time, I became, like I said, I was studying the spiritual path. I was able to devote my time to it, and I was one of the best teachers. I was like, why do I have to wait till I die to get the best teachers? 
you know, you hear about all these great teachers you can talk to in the afterlife. Why, why, where, where are they? Yeah, where are yeah. they at? I'm right here. I'm wanting yeah. to learn. Yeah. But I found three that appealed to me. One was Alan Watts. And there are a ton of, you know, recordings of his talks. Mm-hmm. I loved Alan Watts. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. The other was Bashar, who is a channeled entity by Daryl Anka. Anka? 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 I don't know. Anka. Anyway, his take on the essential nature of reality that you exist. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. You exist. <laughs> Get over it. And just, you know, his essential rules for what we are. I, I got that. Especially with some of these channel entities like him and Abraham Hicks. It's the early stuff that's the best, hmm. in my view. Kind of like musicians, their first record is usually their best because they've had 10 years to write it, right? And then they get a record deal and then they're, it's just not as good, you know, it just kind of tapers off. Right. Well, there's something about it, you know, because then they're in the essence of it. Afterwards, people come in and, yeah, how do I get rich? Right, right. <laughs> and then know? they, can you please tell me the, the you know, and they're like, <sighs> and you kind of lose that initial vibrancy that came from people who were really on the spiritual search and not just on the search for pseudo spirituality. Yeah, or making this life easier by physical means. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the third one was Byron Katie. Do you know her? I do not, huh? You have to find Byron Katie. Me, Byron Katie is one of the most enlightened people on the planet. And she also, there are a ton of videos also. And she is wonderful because she came up with something called the work. She says it was given to her. And it's a method of dissecting your issues to come back to the truth and get rid of your illusions that are causing you suffering. Well, anyway, all about the month of September, I was drawing these pictures at, at night before I fell asleep at bed. And they were just portraits of different people that I didn't have any idea they were real people. They were just faces. And I just drew them and I put them in the bedside and they just helped me relax. I go to sleep. I feel like, oh, the nose needs to be a little thinner or something, you know. And maybe I'd get a few thoughts. Oh, this person died of, you know, something. But I just still just, you know, whatever. And then one morning I woke up. <laughs> so I'll strain your credulity here. Um, and Thomas Jefferson was standing at the end of my bed. And I was like, F are you doing here? Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was clearly him. There was never any doubt in my mind. He was even dressed in the period, you know, clothes of the period. And he was talking to me and he said, and I was having a hard time focusing because I was so shocked, but I gathered that I was a slave on his plantation and that I had been very special to him. And he said, I came to tell you you're free. And I knew he had a very special slave, so I didn't want, you know, to think that I had been that slave. However, many validations were to follow. Anyway, I kind of put that aside. It was something that happened. I think the only person I told was my sister. And she was like, you know, our moms and dads come to us, but not Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. But it was validated. It's been validated many times. 
So then about a week later, I got decided that I would try channeling somebody. It was just kind of a whim because I'd been watching all these people channeling things and I wasn't really thinking that it was something I wanted to do where I did, but I thought, well, why not? I have my coffee. I got some spare time. So I said, who do I want to talk to? And the only person I could think of was this guy at the moment. It just came into my head was remember that guy who on his deathbed went, Oh, wow. 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 And I had a name and I had that because it'd been in the news, but I knew nothing about this guy. I just knew his name was Steve Jobs. So I said, I want to talk to him and find out what he saw on his deathbed. Wasn't expecting much. And next thing I, I had my key, hands on the, on the keyboard and I was typing up everything that I heard. And so you have to understand this conversation is telepathic. And it is very, very powerful at this stage, five and a half years later. I'll have to explain that to you. Anyway, he said, well, hello, this is Dave Jobs. <laughs> Thanks for hosting me. Yeah. And I said, yeah, right. How do I know this is you? And so he gave me some validations. And the first one he said, and knowing Steve, <laughs> it would be something he would say was, well, I got a hairline issue because he loved his dark hair. I've got a hairline issue. How's that? You know, get the rough stuff out at the beginning. I was like, I don't know what you look like. because I wouldn't know. So I had to go look a picture. And he said, okay, well, you need some things you can validate. And he said, well, you can look up and validate it. And I really didn't know this guy. Because I had no interest in technology. I'd never owned an Apple product. And uh, he said, well, the year I was 21 was really exciting. We were making lots of contacts, uh, you know, starting out in business, whatever. So I went and looked it up. And sure enough, he and Wozniak had started Apple Computer in the garage. He was 21. I said, okay, that's some validation. And then he gave me a third validation about a scar which I had to look up. It took me a long time until I found the scar for a liver transplant. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> that's the scar. <laughs> you know, that's a big scar. And, uh, and then he kept talking to me about some things that were important to me. You have to understand, I have kind of a scientific mind. I always have. I was a lawyer. You know, I ran to art and writing. I've written a book, a couple of books, actually. Uh, but all my life, I thought about things. Like, how do we really see, you know, and how can you can see through, I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing like, how can you can see through the window and not the wall? You know, kinds of thoughts and, and lots of things would come to me when I would think about these lots of ideas that, you know, like the idea, like one idea is that the photons just on this side of physical reality and the electrons just on this side, if you could go through the veil. And in fact, if you bust apart an electron, you'll get photons. So just things like that. Yeah. So I was always, my mind would go that way. And so we started talking about things. And he started, and zero is very important to me because zero, the symbol zero, represents everything it's a totality people don't understand that they think zero is nothing nothing is the state of potential it is everything and 
in an algebraic equation, these numbers come out of zero and they fold back. This is reality. It always comes out and folds back into itself. And to get me started, I can talk forever how that goes. And, and the underpinnings of that, because that's a lot of our philosophy. Anyway, Steve, after a while, I was like, hey, how do I, you know, I, I thought, oh, this is just my mind playing games with me. So I got up and I went upstairs, do the dishes or something. And he went with me. And he kept talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And I was like, why are you following me around? Yeah, yeah. What do you want? And it wasn't like he was giving me a message to pass to everybody. It was just like he was really lonely. And in fact, when he first came to me, I thought that it just somehow he, we had some opening that he was able to get through. And I wanted to work out all of my past issues. So I never had to come back here again. I mean, I wanted to be done. I wanted to get rid of that ego thing. And so I wanted to work out all my issues. And what I got was that he needed to work out his issues too from his lifetime. And we needed each other to do that. And I guess... You guys connected right after he passed away, right? Or not long after? No, four years later. Four years. Okay. Well, in the grand scope of the universe and time and all of that, that's kind of close. You know, maybe he was a little confused and definitely wanted some human connection because he hadn't been there very long. He was He was earthbound. So he was wandering around for all those years, didn't know he was dead, which amazes me. But apparently, I asked, didn't you remember dying? He was like, no, I don't remember that part. All I knew was I couldn't talk to anybody. And he did find a few people he could talk to. He found a woman, one woman, who was able to connect with him. And... That gave him something of a reprieve, he says. And he actually, she, he actually gave her some very good essays and sayings. But it wasn't what he was looking for. So the story goes, I mean, this is a very, very complex story. So we all know the story. He's looking at it and he's going, oh, wow, wow, wow. So what did Steve see? Steve saw a vision, the same thing that I had realized when I was 28 years old. That love is everything. It's all of it. It is its own thing. Um, and so he also had a vision of a woman that sat on his bed. And so he was wandering around. This is his story that he tells. And I'll, and you can look at things from many different perspectives because every experience we have, every moment can be seen from different levels. The, you know, the little, the bigger, it's like on earth, <laughs> you know, gravity is the thing in the universe. It isn't, you know, at large, curved space, all of that. You know, I can talk to you about time and space and all of that. Yep. And even non down but, to the quantum level. Yeah. Things act very, very differently. Physics takes a back seat at the quantum level. Yeah. Right. And so this is his story of what happened to him. And it was because of all the ideas he had and the shit he had going on in his head that, or for whatever reason, on one level, that's what it was about. On another level, it was how the story had to unfold. On the other level, you can say it was planned out before we were born into this world. On another level, you can say God, it's God's plan from the very beginning of time. You know, take it as you will, what part you want. 
but and and we go up and down. Let me tell you, we have the funniest relationship. Anyway, um, uh, so he's wandering around, a ghost basically, <laughs> trying to get somebody to pay attention to him. You know, all of a sudden he's gone from being this big stuff to nothing. Nobody even sees him before he couldn't walk down the street. People weren't snapping pictures and whatever. It's a good point. And, That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And so, and he can't get, can't talk to his loved ones. They don't listen to him. They don't hear him. Uh, so he's wandering around and this woman had, he says, he, this woman had sat on his bed, on his deathbed. He had this vision of this woman. And he got the idea, well, maybe I can find her. <laughs> so he was looking and he did, I guess there were a couple of people he would run into who could bring him through. And this woman in particular could. And he thought, well, maybe she's the one, even though it's not quite, doesn't quite, it's not, pieces aren't fitting. But maybe it's just me. I'm just confused. But then he decided, no, it wasn't. So he gave her all these essays and stuff. And then he kept looking. He was sure there was somebody else. So eventually, when we connected, you know, I've heard from my family on this said we were kind of like pulling a horse to the water, you know, sort of trying to get you plant thoughts and stuff that would get you to do this or do that. Anyway, we started talking, we kept talking and talking and talking and, and, I, and I'm constantly needing proof. Like I need to know what this is. I mean, if you were just Joe Blow, that would be okay. But why are you bothering me now that I know that you were pretty well known and rich and all that other stuff? You know, what do you want with me? And, uh, and so I would say he gave me many, many, many examples. There were many what you call miracles, synchronicities, incredible, you know, the obvious one is we have the same name. <laughs> yes, Stephen and Stephanie, yeah. Which means crown. <clears throat> it has to do with the crown chakra and all that other stuff. And uh, so to give you an example of probably the most dramatic thing he did, one day he said, Go get your keys, your car key. And I was like, okay, I only had one fob, so I went and got it. Then I put it in my pocket. And he's, I said, where are we going? You know, are we going to go take a trip or what? He's just put it in your pocket, you'll see. So I put it in my pocket. I only had one car fob, so it's keeping really close watch on it because if you lose those things, they're like 250 bucks to replace. So I'm keeping more close watch on it. You know, I go about my chores, washing the dog, whatever. I have the, always checking to make sure the key's there. And then he says, lay on your bed. We're going to work on astral travel. And I'm like, okay. We've been working on a little bit. This was early in our relationship, probably in the first weeks. So I laid on my bed. And he said, the task for today is I took a sweatshirt off with the key in it, set it beside my bed, checked to make sure the key was in it, out of my OCD attention to it. And he said, the task for today is to get the key from the pocket of your sweatshirt downstairs. I, my bedroom's upstairs, My uh, uh, the door is down. Down by to the bowl by the door. And I said, yeah, right. <laughs> That's all he said, yeah, right. So I laid there for an hour and we did some things and I was going here back and forth. I was feeling like I was pulled into the astral realm and then I'd come back. And then my granddaughter comes to the door and she's like, Grandma, time to take me to swimming. I was like, okay. So I got up. I reached in the sweatshirt for the key and it wasn't there. What? Yeah, that's what I said. What? 
<laughs> I tell you what, I walk down those steps one at, at a time. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And there was the key in the bowl by the door. Damn. And I mean, nobody came in my room during that time. There was no disturbance. The kids were here, my grandkids with a friend. I could hear them running up and down steps outside my door, but my door was locked so they couldn't come in. I was, we were working on the astral travel, but I was always here and um, aware. And so anyway, I was like, ooh. So we've had many, many other things happen. So let me ask you, what was the explanation for that? How did it get out of your sweatshirt into the bowl downstairs? Was there, did he say, oh, here's how we did it? Or were you able to recall that you astrally put it down there? I mean, because basically that's teleporting matter is what happened. You took something physical and introduced it into another physical space. So was it No, I never asked. Okay. I never asked. I never said, how did you, how the heck did you do that? And I have to tell you, it wasn't just him. There were others on the side, other side working on it too. So there was a team working on doing that. The collective. And especially in the last, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying the collective, as you call it. Well, maybe there's a collective and there's friends, there's individual friends and we have our soul groups and our friend groups. So like Thomas is, is very, very close, a very, very close relationship. I know that I gave you a video of a woman bringing through Steve. Yes. Yes. Very right? interesting. Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. He very, also brought through Thomas. Very interesting. Yes. It's, it's incredible. Um, so I wanted to ask, are, are you just channeling famous people or historical figures? Uh, or is there just some guy named John who was a mechanic in the 30s? And he also has some valuable things to say. Well, here's... I don't know. That was my question because Steve would drag in all these famous people. And I would find out we had lives together before. And they're like, Stephanie, don't you get it? This is like Grand Central Station. We're all coming and going. We're all, you know, the lives we had before, they were not famous. You know, in one life I had it with Robin Williams. We died in a fire. I was five years old, his five-year-old niece, and he was seven. And we all hid under the bed with other siblings and were killed. So it's, uh, but is it John Blow? Well, here's why Steve explained to me that he had to be famous because how would I be able to verify all the things he told me if I couldn't read them up and look them up? And I mean, there were tons of stuff he told me that I could look up. We have dissected every part of his life as well as mine. He's not interested in the Apple business particularly because it's a bigger picture. I think you understand that a little bit. I do. It's it's about the connectivity. And I think that that's interesting. The way you put it in that in that YouTube video that you've got, Return to the Garden, um, you you talked about this in in a way that was very interesting to me on on the psychology of why he existed, why he was here, and it actually makes a lot of sense. If he's here to raise the co-collective of everyone and to get spiritual information out and to get us more connected with our soul tribes, I run into this with just what we're doing here now. I mean, you're in Fargo, I'm in Texas, and we're having a wonderful exchange of ideas here. I talk to people in the UK all the time, all over the place, and it wouldn't have happened without technology. Ironically, I'm an Apple user. I, I, I'm doing this on an, on a Mac right now, Mac desktop. I have my iPhone. Um, 
it is about the connectivity and that was his job was to be able to his job right. was to be able to connect everybody and do it in a way to where it was an interesting uh, a highway of ideas that was not that distance wasn't a barrier for right and i think it's you know there's little clues planted in this story it's like this huge fable or something myth there's little clues planted in it like his name jobs <laughs> You know, he did one job and then he came back to do the other or stuck around to do the other. So, you know, there are times I'm not going to tell you that uh, this was an easy trip. It wasn't. I went to hell and back, literally, because, you know, there was the initial connection with Steve and then we connected with, oh, there were so many things, so many things that happened. But we connected with a spiritual medium who also would channel him. I was recalling all my past lives. Those pictures I told you I drew, they're all associated with past lives on and on and on. Yeah, I saw him. And then you sent me pictures of historical. You were able to look these people up and they look damn near identical to your drawings that you made. That is fascinating. Right. right. And, and, and I had, you know, that lifetime where I died in World War II, I had so many different perspectives on it because these, I guess, they like to call souls, but would come through and talk through Susie. I would remember things. I was having my own conversations. And we were just seeing it from so many different perspectives. And I've run into a few people since because I started doing, I started doing mediumship sessions for people. I figure I've done about a thousand. Mostly for grieving mothers to bring their children through. But lately, I've started running into people who shared some of these past lives with me. So I guess your question is, was originally, you know, does Joe Blow come through? Yes, he comes through these sessions I do with other people because they can validate him. But, you know, somebody who died in you know, Milwaukee that I didn't know wouldn't really have any reason to come through to me unless we had some connection. The, the reason I asked is because I, at its core, I, I want to believe that we're all connected and that we're all just individualistic expressions of the whole, of the source. You know, these are other ideas that I've had and that it, you, would, you would need to come through if validation was required because that's the thing, right? I mean, good advice is good advice no matter where you get it from, right? It shouldn't, right. You, you shouldn't have to worry about citing your source if you just have some wisdom that you can share with people. It shouldn't matter if it comes from Steve Jobs or Joe Blow or whoever. But also, it, like I said, in a way though, and, and I don't know if you can, you can speak to this, but that we're all connected, that we're all the soul, but that we appear in individualistic expressions, of course, to have the experience that we're here to have for the greater, grander version of everything. But also, it, it seems like because of the weight of the message that you've got is why it had to be somebody like Steve Jobs or a Thomas Jefferson. You had to have, basically you had to name drop uh, these entities or these spirits that come by so that maybe your message would be a little bit more validated or paid more attention to, you know? So if it if it, you drop the fact that you're channeling Steve Jobs, uh, this episode's going to get a lot of clicks just because of that. I hope that you guys know that it's also about the message um, that's interesting with all of this and the interconnectivity. And 100% about the message. It's not about Steve Jobs. E exactly. E exactly. And this is how I perceive this. And this is why we're speaking right now. I don't see, see you as somebody fantastical that's doing this for money or 
your attention. I see you, that you have a wonderful, warm message to offer from a life of experiencing a lot of things, great and horrible. I mean, you you had an incredibly traumatic younger life. I'm grateful that you're still here. You know, I'm I'm glad that you've given up trying to end your own life. Because uh, yeah, you're just gonna have to do it again. What what's it for? But from a as a friend, I'm 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 grateful that you're still here. So thank you, and thanks again for sharing your story here. So I'm gonna get out of your way. Uh, if you if you don't mind, are we individualistic expressions of a whole? Yes, we are. We are the individual expressions of God. Period of love and God is love. So we are the individual expressions of love. I will, I'm going to tell you a couple of little stories to help with that one. So first of all, this whole Steve Jobs thing, you know, I, I really tried to get out of the story because I didn't want the enmity of people out there. There was no way I wrote a book and about, and I basically just transcribed all our conversations into this book. And I put it out there. I took it off the market after a while just because I needed a break from it. But I didn't, I'm a very quiet, reserved person normally. There's nothing in me that wants fame or money or anything as long as I have enough to just live my life as I want. And so it was very, very stressful for me. And I fought him a lot on it, a lot. And like I said, I had to go to hell and back to face all my fears. But my understanding is that there's a group of souls that come through at certain times together and that I belong in that group of souls. Almost everybody I deal with on the other side and, oh, my God, I consider them my friends. And I, and I mean just friend friends, not your way up in heaven friends, but you and me <laughs> sitting here having coffee friends. Absolutely. And even Jesus, sit and have a coffee with you friends. Um, so they're my friends, and this is a, a story we're doing together. And I love it because I love I love to play. But apparently we've come together, so I'm gonna throw some really other big ones on you. You ready? Drop it. I'm ready. Steve had some prior lifetimes that were kind of unsavory here and there, but he had a couple of big ones. One was as Marcus Aurelius. It's a pretty big one. Yep. And if you look at the philosophy of Marcus Aurelius, you know, I think I can see Steve written in it. I didn't like Steve when I started. I, I, I liked the man that I was talking with, right? Because we somehow connected. It was like the parts connected. You know, I used to call him, he'd call me Miss Pris, and I'd call him, you know, the asshole. But somehow <laughs> we connected. You know, in his assholiness, as he called it. You know, there was something inside us that connected anyway. Um, but when I started reading about his life, I was like, I would never like this idiot. You know, I'm, I don't care about money. I don't care about riches. I don't care about fame. I don't even care if you created a couple little trinkets, you know, to put out there. And you were an asshole. <laughs> and so it, and so I was like, okay, but I, I accept that you learned you now, having gone to the good place, <laughs> understand better. And and so, you know, I loved him from the beginning, but this whole other thing was something that to deal with. I've kind of forgotten 
why I started saying that other than I tried to get out of it. Cause I, I was like, couldn't you just be somebody who was not Steve jobs? Right. Yeah. Cause I like you. <laughs> yeah. Like I you could be hanging out with Prince or something. Yeah. yeah. We've had astral journeys. We've had so much fun. We have so many jokes together. We have so much inside laughter you know, just before I came on, I was talking with him. I was getting kind of pissed because, you know what? I got to go pretty quick. And he's <laughs> like, I know we have it in, you know, and I'm like, come on, Steve. And he's like, quit interrupting me. Did he say and, to tell me hi or anything? That would be cool. A little shout uh, out from Steve Jobs. Did he say hi or anything? Just tell him I said hi next time we talk to him. I'm a I big will, fan definitely. of his work. Well, he, he can hear you. What the heck? He That's knows. Fair. He knows. He's on top of it. Um, But he had me cracked up or I had him cracked up because we have our, we have a sense of humor that aligns. And uh, deep down, understanding as we've worked our way through our issues. But he told me this story the other day. And I'm going to tell you right now that my connection is extremely tight. And I'll tell you why. See this right here? Yes. It's a pendulum. Well, I've always had the telepathic. And I've just used the telepathic in all those sessions that I've done with people, right? And, you know, it. It's worked okay. You know, people can validate things that come through enough to be reassured it's their loved one. You know, they'll tell me silly things like, would you, like he's saying, show her, show me what's around your neck. There's a heart or something. And she'll go, oh, you mean this necklace? Wow. <laughs> something to validate. Yeah. Usually they'll, you know, have little validations like that. Or, you know, well, just tons and tons, different ones. Sometimes names. Not always, but occasionally. Um, but lately, actually, I was told about the pendulum from somebody. And you use the letter board. Oh, interesting. And I had used it. I decided, well, I'm going to try this and see if it improves my communication. And I did. And it did. And it was like word for word. And I was like, if I didn't get it right, they would stop me and respell it. And I was like, okay, but something happened after a few days of using it. What this does, I think, is magnify your energy. And I already had a lot of energy openness. Yeah, like a and, dousing rod or something like that. Now, for uh, I just yeah. want to real quick. Um, so for the folks just listening to the audio version of this, it's basically like a, a protractor or a semicircle that has all the letters of the alphabet on it. And she's holding a... Um, a necklace or a pen, pendulum up and then it swings and then as it crosses the letter it spells out words and it's kind of like a, a ouija board but more of a kinetic ouija board kind of a thing i'm just just for the people just listening to the audio if you are just listening to the audio come come over here to youtube and see stephanie she's very lovely so we uh so i used this before and i remember i spent the whole day with steve one day just telling me this kind of amusing version of losing his hair and you know, we're going through this whole story and he does have a way of, of making it kind of amusing, kind of self-deprecating and humor, which we share and enjoy. Anyway, uh, so I'm talking to all these, him and others. And it was like the energy moved into me. It was like my auric field was like. <laughs> and I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything for days and they kept talking to me. I couldn't shut it out. It was like, stop talking to me. I didn't know that they were talking to me to help me release the energy. I was just like, can't do this anymore, go away. And it terrified me of the pendulum. And it took a few days 
probably three days before I returned to normal. It was one of the very difficult phases I went through. And I had to go through it alone because there was nobody I could talk to about it, would understand. So I, I finally picked up the pendulum here a week ago and I said, okay, I'll give it another try, but you guys got to work with me. And so I asked Steve, I said, what happened last time? And he said, it's like a backwash. Imagine that so much fresh water's coming in, it has to be released. And it was like, it couldn't be released through your auric field fast enough. And so it was flooding back at you. Like trying to fit the ocean through a, a straw. Yeah. Or, you know, having when too much water is coming into the dam, you got to let go of some of the pressure before it breaks the dam, right? Or through a pipe and then it backwashes because it can't go out fast. Enough. And so I've been using it again. And it doesn't move much for me because I hear. But what it does is we have a little thing where the pendulum will circle in a certain way to tell me I've got it right. And if I get it wrong, it will stop on a dime. Really? And it will go back and spell it out for me. Because sometimes I get mad. And then that's what I was doing today because I was wanting Steve to freeze. Quick, quit interrupting me. You know, let me talk. <laughs> but what it does is it has created such a powerful, uh, it's created such a powerful, it's almost like an it's almost like it took what I had and made it best telephone ever. So a lot of others have been coming through it. And a lot of, and as it's, oh man, it's been crazy for the last week. It's just, no how to explain. Would it be rude or inappropriate to ask if you could demonstrate it? Uh, sure. Let's see if we can find a way to do this. I could get the if this works i don't know uh that it didn't work okay again guys for the audio version of this uh go check out the youtube she is demonstrating her pendulum um we're getting set up to demonstrate the pendulum now okay let's see if it can do this okay now do you have to ask a specific question no okay usually they're waiting and they'll tell me when they want me to talk they'll say would you go pick up the pendulum sometimes at six in the morning and i'm going no and they can't just tell you this. I'm I'm just trying to understand the mechanics. Yes, of this they theory. can tell me. But the pendulum but is a little more effective. The pendulum, maybe it just gives me confidence because they've been telling me lately. Why don't you put down the damn thing? Oh, okay, I see. So it's a more visual representation of. Okay, got it. But it gives me a little bit of extra confidence or something. And, okay. You know, it's like Steve says. He says I do have a body stepping. You know, you just ha you haven't been able to see me yet. Hmm. And uh, I've got something caught on this. So I'm, we can continue talking. Yeah, we can continue talking. So when he says body, is that like the residual self-image that they talk about where they they look like what they would, what they want to look like in life, not necessarily what they were? Um, is that what that means by body? Well, the way he's been explaining it to me, because normally you would reincarnate, right? Mm-hmm. But he's telling me that our connection is so powerful, which it is, it's extremely powerful, that um, we both understand this, that miracles can happen, life can change on it, the whole world can change on it, fine. I mean, the internet, right? Yep. Whoever, whoever thought of the internet in 1950, right? 
And look at how, you know, in 20 years, it became totally accepted. And ironically, Jacques Vallée had a part to do with the early Internet, the pre-Internet. So that's interesting. Okay. It's all connected. It's all connected. I love it. All right. So let's see if we can if we can get somewhere. I'm just going to ask if anybody's here. All right. I just I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm asking who's here. And they're telling me Abraham. And I don't know who Abraham is. And usually I just let them because it always works out. It always comes through. It always makes sense in the end, but it could take a while to get the whole story out. So why is Abraham here? He is your friend's guide. Apparently that has to do with you. Did you see the pendulum moving just around a little bit? Yes. That's telling me yes. Oh my God. This is incredible. Okay, what? So, what do we want to know about Abraham? So, Abraham is here because he's related to you. Okay. Is that correct? Absolutely. Wow. He knows him very well. Your friend is aligned with the oh boy i can't say this word very well cabalistic tradition you are his friend as well you have known each other in other lifetimes he will be here with you who is he abraham is this abraham like biblical abraham I have been here many times in many guises. I am here now as the one who loves you. Is this enough of a demonstration for you? Uh, Yeah, yeah. This is incredible. Thank you very much for being here with us and for your assistance. Thank you. Just a minute. Abraham is pleased to be here with you as well. Okay. Wow. Stephanie. (laughs) I mean, wow. You know? Okay, again, guys, uh, if you were just listening to that, go to the YouTube. It's up on YouTube, Expanding Reality. This this is up there. Go go check this out. That was very, very interesting. And I, I've got a spirit guide, so that's pretty cool. Abraham. Okay, we'll take it. That's fascinating. You might out that you have, obviously, if we're talking about this, chances are, if you invited me on your show, chances are we do have some past connection. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't believe that things are coincidental or accidental or anything. Uh, the person that re- referred you to me said, reach out. And I reached out immediately because, yes, you just get I, I trust the synchronicities. I trust the acorns that the universe leaves you to follow the breadcrumbs. And I'm a big, big fan of that. That's a massive part of this show. That's actually a massive part of what's going on with this whole show in general. That's why it's called expanding reality. Let's take ourselves out of 
what we were taught and what we were labeled as, as children, whenever our subconscious was formed in that, what, in utero to about seven years, you're given this, uh, you know, idea of who you are. And then that kind of affects things later on. We're here to break all that down. Let's, let's talk about some interesting, wonderful concepts and really move into our bigger, grander versions of who we really are. Now, I like that you um, had done the book uh, with Steve Jobs and the, the dialogue back and forth. Is that something that you're going to put back in reprint, like if you get a demand for it and just kind of put it out there? Um, because, you know, Neil Donald Walsh, I mean, did this with um, God, right? And so, and he made a, he did okay for himself off of that. And like I said, it doesn't matter who you say is channeling or, or people might get hung up on this because people... Like I said, they have got ideas, they've got conditioning, and they're not open. A lot, and of course, I'm generalizing, but a lot of people aren't open to this kind of thing because they don't understand it, and they won't take the mo- a moment to sit down and talk dispassionately or open-minded enough to to talk to somebody like you about this and get a better understanding about it from your perspective. The same way that you don't empathize with people who enjoy just going through life blindly and and just following everything that they're told to be true without doing any sort of investigative work on their own. The the two frequencies don't vibrate together. If you brought the book back and and re-released it, I think that that's something very interesting. And if you did that, I, I definitely want a copy of it. Um, also, I wanted to ask you about... Something, can I tell you something? Oh, please. Um, this thing with the pendulum that started a week ago, very clear that they want that in a book. Okay. So there's actually three books. There's the first book. There's the intervening thing where I told you, you know, the very difficult ride. And then this seems to be some kind of a culmination. And so I have to write the middle book as well. I I think I was being pushed to write it, but I put it off because I just couldn't. And but it's very clear that this is something they want put in a book. There's a lot of stuff coming through and a lot that Steve has to say to the world and others. And, and I'm going to have you back on to talk about this more. Uh, we're just kind of giving a, a brief overview of this right now, which has already blown my mind, by the way. This is fantastic. You're an absolute delight, and this information is fantastic. Now, uh, what's interesting is uh, on your next book, when you do really set about the pendulum, you could have like an included, you know, fold out and then maybe include a little pendulum with it. And then that could be like a set that then maybe other people could figure out how powerful they are or that they have these abilities as well. Possibly. You know, I kind of go with the, the team. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. If I could make a... The team. A, the team. Right. I, I, I just want to tell you this one story, if you have time. I oh, don't please. Know where we are with we, we've got all the time in the world. Absolutely. Okay. Well, so Steve told me another story. He likes to tell me stories. And he can regale me for hours telling me stories. But he, he told me this story the other day. It's kind of drowsy, but I did, you know, when they asked me to get the pendulum or just whatever I do record it so that I can transcribe it. But he told me this little story about, and he tells me a story about us and our relationship. And he said, he's telling me the story and he's the story. He said, I disguised myself as a beggar and I came to your door and you took me in and you fed me and we spent the day together. He said, and then the next day I took off my disguise and I, came up to your door in my Mercedes. And I said, hi, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm rich, I'm good looking, and a lot of people know me. I've decided you're the woman for me. And he said, you said, no thanks, I'm already taken. 
a beggar came to my door yesterday and I fell in love. Mm. And so for what that means for the world or to understand our relationship. I, I love it because it's very deep. It is very deep. They were the same, but they were packaged differently. But you preferred the package that was more humble and open and honest and uh, in need. And that's who you are. You're in service of other people. So you were able to help. The one of the version of Steve Jobs with the Mercedes didn't really need any help. He was very dispassionate about his interaction. And I, I think that that's very deep. I know a lot of people will extrapolate whatever they choose to out of that, as you just mentioned, but that's, that's very interesting. I think what he was trying to say is you didn't give a damn whether I was rich. You weren't looking for someone with money, with looks, with whatever. It was always just about the love. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been the story of our relationship. It is the story of our. It's fascinating. Now, do you have people asking you questions uh, whenever you tell them that you do this about, I don't know, dumb stuff like, well, what is, you know, why did you wear a tucked in shirt and no belt? You know, real specific stuff like that. Of course, it was just his preference, but who cares? Uh, or something like, you know, um, what's the next iPhone going to look like? Or are we going to integrate with technology? I think that some people might be asking you things like, what is uh, remote working going to do to the global economy here in the next five years? You know, stuff like that, which of course he wouldn't know that. He's no longer that Steve Jobs, right? He's just the spirit of Steve Jobs that brought us all this incredible technology. Back to the point you made about you that you guys joke around a lot. I, I like that uh, you call his extraordinary global changing technology trinkets. I think that that's adorable. I bet he loves that. Um, well, to give you Steve's take on it, okay? Our project here is about putting the bite back in the apple, period. It's not only mine and his, but Thomas's and everybody else on our team. I call it the spirit team. I read something about people who are trying to create a uh, soul phone. And they talked about all these spirit guides that they had on their side, you know, all Tesla and Einstein and Steve Jobs. And I asked Steve and he said, no. He said, I'm, they're mistaken. He said, we here are not about creating another device that takes people away from the truth of who they are and what they are. It's not about finding something out there to connect with us. It's about finding your inner connection. And we don't want to continue to lead people down the wrong path. That's his take on, on technology at this point. Yes, I think the iPhone and all of this technology was essential as part of the story to do what you talked about, all the connection. But never have I seen him any concerned about what the next iPhone is going to look like. Right, right. And, you know, so other questions, yes, we've dissected every important part of his life. <laughs> including why he wore what he wore and, you know, going back to infancy and how he felt. What can I tell you? He said that when he got there, he was suffering from his own demons because your demons create a sort of, especially when you cross over, your demons can become even more realistic. You can believe you're in hell. 
and they had to come and help him. And he said, Steve came to help him. He said, now they're reconciled. They've talked through all their difference. They are the best of friends. And so I guess that's an example. And I asked him, I said, did you, were you aware of me trying to get through to you? And he said, no, but others did. And, you know, he just thanked me for, you know, letting him know of my kind thoughts. So he's, and of course, was concerned about those that are left behind, that they think he's suffering or that he's someplace, whereas he's, you know, in good hands and doing well. So that's an example of the kind of strange story that I'm in. Yeah. It's very, very tightly woven. You know, and it, it's one interesting part about this is that, that there are either demons that you're brought back with or, or can create whenever you cross over. Because, like I said, to the idea that we're all individualistic expressions of a whole, and you hear a lot of indie ears talk about that they are ushered in with guides or family members or something like that that have that are there to help them transition back to source or back to wherever they want to go after this. And so it's interesting that there's a almost like a place to go or a place of existence to where there's still things that carry over from this life because you imagine them to be there. Just like like you said, you can go to hell if you think that you're going to go to hell, then yeah, you'll go there. Because things that after we transition from this plane to the next happen at the speed of thought. So they happen instantaneously. And so it's right. interesting whenever a concept like this is brought up, and especially the just the idea that Steve, back to the beginning of our conversation, was an earthbound spirit, that that even is a thing that can exist. Because it, it like I said, in my mind, it, by my understanding, which is nothing, um, by some of the conversations I've had, that you just return straight to source energy, that there's no confusion, that there's an instant illumination, that there's an instant recognition that, oh, number one, I'm dead. Number two, we're all one and we're all going, we're all source. And so I'll just return to source energy. So the, the fact that there's confusion for anybody after death is, is interesting to me. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I was kind of like you. <laughs> gone, we're gone. You know, but through these conversations, especially during the last week, most of them are very loving. As connected with a guy named Tobias. And through these conversations, our relationship developed. I thought he was kind of an uptight guy, and he thought he was going to have to slap me down, you know, because I was kind of a brat. But through this amazing thing happened where we came to see each other. But I've had a few bad ones. Bad in the sense of they describe it as and, and now we're going to get in the philosophy because this is what's really important. They describe it as an ache in the heart. When you feel an ache in the heart, basically they talk about lost love and love. Love is everything. Lost love is the idea that you could be anything but love. That you could be anything but pure. That you could be insignificant. We all come into this world for one purpose to express love and to experience love. That's it. We are love, but it's soon knocked out of us. People say that the earth is a realm where we come to learn. We do, but the first thing we learn is that we're not love. Mm. We have to be taught that. And we are in, in this world. And it creates a lot of confusion. And 
lost a little bit of my track of my thought here. Um, that the ache in the heart tells you your heart is your guide. When you feel that ache in the heart, you know you're in lost love. So anyway, I had a few minor experiences where one guy came through and he was bullshitting and stuff. And I was like, and I knew the rest were around and it, it was just a little bit stressful. And afterwards, I was like, why did you guys let that happen? He was telling me a story and I thought about it. I thought, no, I'm not buying this story. You don't have to buy any story anybody gives you. You let your heart decide. You don't have to buy any story that anybody tells you or anything they give you. And I thought about it and hurt. And I said, no, you know, it may be coming from heaven, but I'm not buying it. And the guy got kind of pissed. <laughs> and he's like, you're just talking to yourself, you know, I'm going to go have a drink. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, because I, I went through that stage of I'm just talking to myself all the time. You're all alone in the steel vault talking to yourself in your mind, right? And it was like, Stephanie, you had to go through that. That was one of your minor demons. So it's anybody. Your demons are anybody that you interact with. It can be a normal person. This was just some guy. You know, it's probably off in the bar drinking his sorrows way or something in a heavenly bar. But anywhere, anybody, any interaction you have with people around you, they can represent your demons if you buy into it. And my demon was that I was all alone talking to myself in my own mind instead of being part of something that was, as I say, I was alone and I had to learn I was all one. Because you have to know that what you're not to know what you are. It's that juxtaposition thing. It's the uh, dichotomy that exists here on this earth, the, the dualism, the dualistic nature of everything. I just find it interesting that that not only all of this, but that also uh, that there is a way that entities or spirits can kind of either be misleading or not helpful or something like that. I think that if you're able to connect with that side of things and if there's an understanding whenever we do depart this physical plane or we go up to the next plane, if that's the last plane, which I don't think that that's accurate. I think you you got several levels to go and I think this is one of the lower ones uh, or one of the beginning ones I'll put because I don't want to put a hierarchy on it. Uh, it's all just experiential and, and like you said, to experience love. Uh, it, it just seems to me that if you're able to connect to the other side and that it's the highest that you can connect to, then um, it wouldn't be confusing. It wouldn't be misleading. It wouldn't be annoying. It would be always loving and refreshing and kind and wonderful and, and guidance, right? Uh, and reassurance to where you're on the right path. You're, you're not crazy. You know, you're not just talking to yourself. People really do value interactions with you. And, and anything less than that, it, it challenges my idea that it's that the, what everybody is contacting is the next thing. That's it. There's only just two versions. You're here or you're there. And that's not the case. And I'm finding this out as, as I have more conversations like this with folks, um, that they're, they're able to gain insight on that. Then that's just the next level. It's not the final step. And yes, you're always a part of source consciousness or one with everything, but it's not necessarily that you leave here and you go straight to one other place and that's it. Yeah. Um, that you're, yeah, it's not like you leave here and suddenly you're enlightened. Right. And that's, that's kind of the idea that people express or that's what people talk about, but that wouldn't be the case if this is something to where there are not only lessons, but just love to be experienced and loved and 
to give love to, so that others may experience that as well as part of their journey. It, it seems like that there is an interaction that takes place on this plane and that there's a certain amount of things that need to be achieved before that ultimate enlightenment is achieved. And I think that that's interesting. I think that that's fascinating. I, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation together. Um, I, I tell you what, we're, we will probably go ahead and wrap it up here, but I, I think that you and I have a lot more to talk about, to be honest with you. So it, would there be any way, uh, did you have any final thoughts or anything else that you'd like to leave everybody with for this, for this session of ours? And we will pick this up in the future for sure. Yes. Two, quick. One is the story of the tree in the field. And this is a story that was given to me by John the Baptist. And I'm going to freak everybody out and tell you that Steve was once John the Baptist. Okay, the story from John the Baptist was imagine a tree in the field, in the middle of a field. I always want, I, this solved a lot of problems for me in my mind. No matter where you are in the field around this tree, you will see that, can see that tree, but it will always be a different one. Even if you move a fraction of an inch, you'll be seeing a different tree. You move up, down, away, close. Now imagine that there are flowers on one side of the tree and you're standing facing the tree and you say the flowers are on the right side. And the person facing you says, no, they're on the left side. And you say, you're an idiot. They're on the right side. No, they're on the left side. And so people, that's war. And so we say, pick up your feet and move around the tree. Every point of view is valid and none, not one molecule where you could put your eyeball in that space around that tree precludes any other. Okay, so that's one. The other thing is the story of the apple. This is our main message. And it's the message we are here to give to the world. Is the story of Adam and Eve, which almost everyone knows you take the bite out of the apple of the knowledge of good and evil the knowledge of good and evil was man's effort to sit in the place of god and judge god and judge others and through the knowledge of good and evil by dividing the world as if there were some scale up here of right and wrong you all of man's kind suffering comes it is the two people on the opposite side of the tree saying, this is right, you're wrong. Not only is this right and wrong, but you're evil. I read a story or I listened to a story of a girl, a woman, who was subjected to genital mutilation when she was seven years old. She found out about it. She confronted her mother and her mother said, I did it for your good. I did it for the best for you. Her mother believed that she was doing something wonderful for her daughter. And of course, most of us would take look at it from the other side of the tree. There is no right and wrong. There is no good and bad. There are moving standards. And there is only love. And when we return to love, then we return to the garden. Yes, that's my final message for today. 
it's it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And yes, I, I tend to subscribe to that idea as well, that it's not right or wrong, good or evil. Those are man-made concepts. Those are judgments put on separate actions. Uh, it, it's about what serves you and what doesn't serve you. And at your core, and, and then that makes it a personal experience for everyone. It's it's beautiful. And Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for, for being my friend here and for connecting with me. This is this was an absolute delight and incredibly illuminating. And I'm, I'm grateful for your time today. Well, you're welcome. And if you want to connect with me and we will continue our discussion with Abraham or anyone else on the side, feel free. I would love to. That's it's fascinating. Really blew my mind there. gave me gave me the chills uh, while it was happening, and so and and a lot of comfort and relief as well. So, um, like I said, thank you, thank you. This this was amazing. Thank you very much for having me and for listening to me. That was incredibly interesting. Uh, Stephanie has been doing some incredible work. I find her fascinating. I think that her story is incredibly interesting, as I know most of you do out there as well. And I want to thank you guys again for listening and going down that journey with us. Now, uh, if you missed some of the visual parts for this, and I apologize for our audio audio only audience that uh, weren't able to see the things that she was doing, but you can. You can just go to the YouTube, YouTube at Expanding Reality, and you can see the pendulum exercise that she did. It was pretty mind-blowing, and I apologize for the dead air there. I was having my mind blown, so that's what's going on with that. Now, um, as far as this show goes, guys, you can find us at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where all the links to all the socials is. It's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the YouTube version of that. You can go find straight on there. Uh, as well as our Patreon. If you find the show valuable, please contribute through Patreon. Uh, no cap on as much. You guys just shower it on in there, and we always appreciate the support. Uh, if you guys have any questions as well, please reach out to expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. I will address any questions that you guys have, and if you have any for Stephanie as well, you can either contact with her directly via the link in the bottom of the show notes, or you can let me know, and I'll pass those things along to you. So for this week, guys, uh, please, as always, just if you see some litter, pick it up. Uh, if there's somebody in line behind you, buy them a meal and then be grateful that you can do that. Uh, get out of the left-hand lane, as always. Uh, we live in a society as well as just go out into your day-to-day. Be grateful. Encounter your world with an open mind because there's a lot going on out there. And above all, guys, as always, just be good to one another. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.